we are about to head to the most interesting session of the day, and that is the panel sessions. And yes, we'll, have, we'll be having a panel discussion about here, and our panelists will be helping us lift our spirits today. And we have three legendary personalities, with one of them uh, moderating the panel discussions today. And they're very popular, and they've been serving Swami since a really long time. And they'll be here lifting our spirits, lifting our faiths, and helping us connect to the Divine Masters. Sairam, our first panelist for the day is Professor Gangadhar Shastri. He serves as a professor of political science in the Satya Sai Institute of Higher Learning. He was the first staff member in Swami's Institute and has held the post of the director and the joint director in the Institute. He goes around the country giving talks on Swami, including his famous Samarpan sessions. Let us all welcome again Gangadhar Sastri, Professor Gangadhar Sastri, with great round of applause. And as our second panelist today, as our second panelist today, we have Sai Girdhar Sairam. Sai Girdhar Sairam joined the Sri Satya Sai Higher Secondary School Prashanti Nilayam in the year 1999 and continued his undergraduate, masters, and PhD studies at the Sri Satyasai Institute of Higher Learning. He was the awareness course lecturer at SSIHO for the undergraduate and postgraduate classes from 2008 to 2017, and is currently serving as the resident fellow at the Sri Satyasai Center for Human Values. Let us all welcome Sai Gilder Saidam. And now it's turn for our third panelist, and who is none other than Sister Dr. Latashi. She is a medical doctor by profession, serving in the Sri Satyasai General Hospital, Prashanti Nilayam, since 2012. She served as a Balbikas Guru and a spiritual coordinator in SSIO, Sultanate of Women, and presently gives a series of talks in Radio Sai's Thursday Live program on the subject Vedanta Parichaya, an introduction to Vedanta. Let's welcome Dr. Lata Shri. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, dear panelists, and thank you all, dear Sai brothers and sisters. And now, we have our panelists ready, and now it's turn for our amazing moderator, who is none other than Arvind Balar Supram. I'm sorry, Supramani. Arvind joined the Sri Satya Sai School in Kerala for his primary education and joined the prestigious Sri Satya Sai Higher Secondary School in Prashantanilayam for higher school. He went on to do his bachelor's in Sri Satyasai Institute of Higher Learning, for which he secured a gold medal. He continued to complete his MSc and MBA in the desire to stay with Bhagawan. Currently, he works as the content manager at Radio Sai, which has been largely responsible in spreading the message and life of Bhagawan to all parts of the globe in digital dimension. Arvind's writing on Swami has also touched hundreds of lives around the world. He's also an extremely talented speaker and has spoken several times in the direct divine presence in Prashanti Nilayam. He's also a gifted actor, scriptwriter, director, producer of several dramas which have been put up in the direct divine presence. 
He's also an excellent photographer and just like his father has been Swami's official photographer for nearly five years and has worshipped Swami throughout it. Currently, he does host of activities at Radio Sai including the Thursday Live Satsang, producing documentaries on Swami and his messes. Bringing the live telecast of programs held in Kuluvanthal, the books and publications Arm of Cultural Trust recently released four of his books, the recent two being Stories and Inspiration, a collective of 12 original stories for teenagers, and Living with God, a collective of experiences of 18 different size students and teachers. This followed the release of two other biographical books, Memoirs of a Sai Student and Capturing Divinity. So let us all give an energetic welcome to all our panelists and our moderator. I hope you have a great panel session. Thank you. May Swami bless us all. Thank you. Sairam. Offering our most humble pranams at the lotus feet of beloved Bhagwan, dearest Swami, respected elders, dear brothers and sisters, it's a very beautiful theme, the four Fs. And the panel here, we have been given the responsibility of discussing the third F, which is fight till the end. But before going into that, just a brief about the four Fs themselves. It's so beautiful. Story goes that there was the student who had to deliver a talk for the summer course at Brindavan. And those years, for every student, Swami himself would give the topic to speak. So this student asked Swami, Swami, what is my topic? Swami said, why are you asking me? Ask the Swami in your heart. And this student possibly tried in his different ways to ask Swami in his heart, but days passed and he didn't get any topic. Finally, one day Swami came to him and asked, so when are you speaking? He said, Swami, today. When? In another few hours from now. What topic? He said, Swami, I don't know. What did the Swami in your heart say? He said, I don't know. Then Swami said, get a piece of paper, get a tumbler of water. He dipped his finger in the water, touched the paper, took the paper to this boy's chest, rubbed it on his chest and said, let us see what Swami in your heart is saying. Guess what? On the paper were the four statements, follow the master, face the devil, fight till the end, finish the game. And it is so beautiful because Swami says, whenever he speaks of follow the master, you have already heard that talk. Swami says, the master is your conscience. And what a beautiful way to depict it because Swami, the, the quote itself has come from the Swami in the heart. So Swami says, follow the master is follow the conscience. Face the devil is face the temptations that lead you away from the master, which is the conscience. All the temptations that come that lead you away from following the conscience is the devil. And why do temptations arise? Swami says it is because of the six enemies, the Arshad Vargas. Kama, Krodha, Loba, Moha, Mada and Matsarya. And fighting these six enemies till you finish the game, which is till you get liberation or moksha or whatever you call it, is what fighting till the end is all about. I will get the ball rolling by just sharing one episode from the Mahabharata where Krishna is speaking to Duryodhana and Duryodhana tells Krishna, Krishna you don't give me any advice. I know everything. I know all the right things. I know what is dharma. It's just that I'm unable to follow it. That's all. I'm not 
I'm not feeling like doing it. Whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm feeling, I'm doing it. I'm not following. I'm not feeling like following it. That's all. That's my problem. It's not that I don't know. I know everything. That's most of our problem also. It's not that we don't know what is right and wrong. It's just that I know it is right, but what can I do? After all, I'm I'm a human. To err is human. We think that statement gives us the license to do whatever we want. But Swami says Duryodhana was like that because he had one of the six enemies, which is lobha or greed. His greed blinded him to everything else. So imagine each and every of these Arshad Vargas, six enemies, have great power in tempting us, in taking us towards the devil, away from the master. And that is why we have very experienced panelists here. Gangar Shastri sir has been a teacher, a guide, a motivator for us. Dr. Latashri madam has been a source of wisdom, so much so that we felt that you can't keep speaking only off and on at, at the general hospital. You have to come to Radio Sai and speak. And Giridhar, everyone knows, has traveled far and wide and spoken, and he's part of the Center for Human Values. It's not a coincidence. So, I would like to begin with the first vice, which is Kama or desire. And I would like to throw Kama to our most seasoned and experienced Gangadhar Shastri sir. Sir, when they say Kama, desire is a vice, is all desire wrong? For instance, if I desire to be the best worker in my company, if I desire to earn the highest salary, if I desire that I want to be near Swami, is that also bad? Is there a good desire? Is there a bad desire? How do we ensure that we have only good desires? How do we stop bad desires? Your thoughts would definitely enlighten us, sir. Om Sri Sai Ram. <coughs> I offer my most respectful salutations at Bhagavan's lotus feet. Sairam to everybody present here. Thank you, Arvind. This Kama, one Arishad Varga out of all the six, does not exactly mean as it is generally understood by people. Generally, we understand karma means something like lust or having some desire towards one another by men and women. That's how in the general parlance it's understood. But in the Sanskrit language, karma means any desire. Karma means desire, that's all. The general meaning of the word is karma. And in that context only, it is used in all spiritual scriptures. Mind is a bundle of desires, actually. It is the mind which throws up desires all the time, just as it throws up thoughts. Actually, it is compared to something like an ocean with waves. It would never be possible for you to see any ocean without waves. In the same way, there is no mind in the world which doesn't have these waves called thoughts. Don't mistake me if I say you are all seated here. Maybe many of you are thinking of canteen or maybe coffee, maybe tea or maybe something else. You are still present here. Your mind is throwing up so many thoughts. So what happens is your mind will not stop incessantly, it goes on and on throwing thoughts. 
all these thoughts motivate you to act those thoughts which are very powerful will pull you into some kind of an action so basically whenever there is a thought arising in your mind you have to ask yourself a question you have to wait this is what is called as restraining yourself swami on many occasions said i will show you the path but i will not make you walk by holding you by your little finger on the road he is not going to make you walk it is for you to walk swami gave an example when you are hungry if you are having all the delicious food in a plate in front of you your hunger is not satiated you have to eat in the same way when a thought comes to your mind you have to question yourself is it a right thought or a wrong thought is it actually righteous or unrighteous if it is an unrighteous thought you have to prevent it immediately once swami was giving a discourse and he was talking about satsanga satsanga is very important for you to cultivate good thoughts if you are in bad company you are going to be finished because that bad company will give you all kinds of bad thoughts you will be influenced and you will act on those bad thoughts and you will have to reap the consequences for that that is the biggest problem today in the world and while he was talking talking about satsanga he also said tejo durjana sangatyam when he said tejo durjana sangatyam leave the company of bad people the translator said leave the company of bad people swami said translation is wrong and the translator was looking at swami and said swami how is it wrong tejo durjana sangatyam means leave bad company swami said no bangaru not leaving run away from bad company he said you just run away when somebody comes and begins to talk trash to you or the worldly things and if your mind is going to be motivated by wrong thoughts and put you into wrong things the modern society has got lot of problems because of the company only uh, you keep company of bad people and you are badly motivated so karma essentially is desires and it is necessary for you to restrain tell yourself take a minute don't jump into action whenever you feel like doing something say for example you feel like smoking you have to tell yourself you have to ask a question is it right or wrong it's wrong let me wait let me not do this or in the same way you want to go to a place which is not going to do good to you so let me not go there you have to guide yourself it has to come from within so it is very important that whenever a thought arises in your mind wait restrain restraining is a part of spiritual process actually you have to restrain yourself you know restraining yourself to go to such an extent when you want to speak think twice before speaking don't simply speak because you are given the capacity to speak or the skill to speak or a tongue to speak don't simply speak speaking is considered to be a spiritual act speaking you must be very 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 careful in the same way every act so restraining is very very important because the desires are there and it is not easy to control desires we will come back to that after some time thank you so much sir that's a very important tip i think we can note down both of them one is whenever any thought comes spend some time before translating it into words or action Con discriminate whether it is right or wrong if it is right go ahead if it is wrong stop it and 
for that in order to ensure that our discrimination is right a beautiful tip that sir has given is we keep good company and good company starts with good friendships good colleagues whom we keep company with now that brings us to the second uh, arshad varga which is krodha anger and i would love to listen i am not uh, qualified to speak on this because i suffer a lot from that in fact i had once asked bhagwan swami how to control anger swami said see when you get angry go and look at your face in the mirror it'll be so ugly you will immediately change your face but i in my mind i thought swami but i don't think it'll work <laughs> my anger is superb then swami said if that the swami read you know read the mind and he said if that does not work go and drink a glass of cold water i was thinking okay swami said if that does not work no go to the bathroom open the tap and when water falls that shruti you know catch that shruti and sing a bhajan very complicated i thought swami is trying to make me forget only that i am anger <laughs> angry and finally swami said if that also doesn't work go and run for 1 mile and then swami said because then no you will be too tired to be angry <laughs> so anger management is something that swami has given laid a lot of emphasis about but i would be wrong in thinking that if i just do this much i have controlled anger to give us more insight on this anger management what is truly managing anger i would like to request madam lata shri om shri sai ram offering most humble pranams at the divine lotus feet of our ever present lord invoking bhagwan's presence and benediction in this holy satsang respected elders and uh, my co panel speakers and my dear young brothers and sisters a very loving sai ram to all of you and see as we just saw desire karma is the root cause of every other vice see in this family of selfishness which we all entertain all the time which we love to entertain in fact this boundless desire is the queen mother of this family and if you don't appease her fulfill her what happens she will immediately give birth to two children the first child is this anger the red hot anger krodha the second child i don't get something i am due probably a promotion in my office and my colleague gets it and what happens to me i go green with envy isn't it and this is the matsarya the jealousy the fuming jealousy that is born and suppose you feed her all the inputs to this karma and you appease her even then she doesn't keep quiet and she gives rise to three more she will give birth to three more children and the third child is this moha my attachment to it i have got it i will hold on to it come what may i don't want to get rid of it i will go to any extent to hold on to it this is the blinding attachment moha and the fourth child that is born is i want more and more and more of it greed and this is the galloping greed that is born and the fifth child when this greed is satiated what happens is yes i have got whatever i want the precipice pride is born in us mother and why do i say it is a precipice because this is this more this mother that is going to lead to our downfall in our spiritual journey and coming to the topic per se of anger management well i got a very powerful lesson from bhagwan 
Once in our Sai Samiti, I was supposed to speak on the topic, the message of the Gita in the light of Bhagwan's teachings on the Krishna Janmashtami day. And the previous day of uh, this uh, talk, I had a very heated argument with one of my doctor colleagues regarding some administrative matter. And, I, and even I was justifying my anger, saying that it is a righteous anger and I have to fight it out because it is a matter of justice. This is how I was justifying the demand of my mind and the tempers were raging very high and uh, it was a very heated discussion. And I was also preparing to speak on Bhagwan's teachings uh, as per the Bhagavad Gita. And I wanted to speak on Mama Dharma, Atma Dharma that we should be doing. And also Advesta Sarvabhutanam, which is nothing but love all, which means have hatred towards none. And Sarvabhuta Hiterataha, you must serve everyone. And this is serve all. And the day of the talk, suddenly I developed very high fever and I had a very bad sore throat. And what would all the doctors normally do? At the drop of a hat, they pop up a pill. And this is what I did. And I just drifted off to sleep. And Bhagwan came in my dream. And Bhagwan asked me, what are you speaking on? I said, uh, whatever I had prepared. Then Swami said, what was the fight you had yesterday? I just kept quiet. Then Swami said, what is the name of the person you fought with? I said, Swami. He is doctor so and so. Then Swami very slowly asked, what is his former name? Then I understood Swami is probably referring to his real name, the real name of this doctor. And I said, Swami, his real name is Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba. You know it? Yes, Swami. Then why fight? Then Swami put up his finger and said, no ill feelings, no ill feelings. And I got up perspiring and I was absolutely normal. Here I was, you know, trying to speak on Bhagwan's teachings, love all, serve all, and this is what I am doing. I am behaving contrary to his teaching. And well, how did this help me in managing my anger? I'm not saying I'm adept at it, but with Bhagwan's grace and the lesson he taught me, I'm taking toddler steps in it. See, in every interaction of ours with the world, there are two levels, a subconscious level and a conscious level. And when somebody triggers me, say a small stimulus, a very frivolous one, a very trivial one, a hey, monkey come here, I feel so insulted and I grow into a rage and I grow, you know, red, go red with angry and I probably hurl choicest of abuse at that person. I may even try to hit that person in that uh, fit of uh, fury. And why does this happen? Where does this anger come from at all? It comes from the subconscious level, which is our prakriti, our nature, our swabhava. And what is this prakriti made up of? It is made up of our samskaras. The inherent tendencies we have accumulated from many, many lifetimes and not just this lifetime. And we are often operating from this default mechanism of prakriti, allowing this samskara which is there in us. Probably if the anger samskara is predominant in me, I'm not careful, just that just fructifies into a thought in my mind, vritti, that translate into action and I grow into a rage. And this is what happens to us all the time. And where is the way out? The way out is we must learn to exercise our conscious self-control at the junction of this subconscious level 
where the samskaras are present and at the level of the conscious where the thought gets translated into action and here we have to pause for a moment and instead of reacting out of this samskara allowing this samskara to fructify in a negative thought and negative action we can pause for a moment and choose our response to this trigger that we have faced which is in a response that is in alignment with bhagwan's teachings that is have no ill feelings when swami said no ill feelings see and swami also indicated the person you know with whom i had had the fight is swami himself sarva rupa dharam shantam sarva nama dharam shivam all names are his all forms are his and how can i be speaking something and behaving in an exactly contrary way so if we learn to respond to every stimulus in our life in a way that befits bhagwan's message bhagwan's teachings and which is in alignment with his teachings i think we will be able to manage any negative tendency that is there in us and we allow this disallow this samskara and not only that we can replace it with a positive thought a positive vritti i can be loving to that person i can forgive that person and when the action is positive the resultant samskara becomes positive and i am creating this entire vicious cycle into a positive cycle in due course of time if i meticulously practice it thank you very much saira thank you doctor changing a vicious cycle into a virtue cycle i remember uh, ramani sir currently all india vice president he had told him that swami said i will give you a secret of success all of you want a secret of success very much ready to pay for it i'll give my account number deposit 1000 rupees each anyway the thing is <laughs> swami said the secret is before you go to meet anybody stand close your eyes and think of me remember i am there in that person and swami said it's not that you have to remember it continuously once you remember before you have to go to meet your boss or your angry friend or your angry mother angry father once close your eyes think that swami is there and go i think that's a very beautiful tip that madam has given us that remember that at the basic level it is swami in everyone and this will help not just in krodha in all the other vices also we move on to the third which is lobha and i began by saying duryodhana showed this greed greed and as madam put it greed and mada pride they come together and both were present in duryodhana and we have here brother giridhar who has acted as duryodhana three four times in bhagwan's presence so uh, amazingly he has thrilled bhagwan with his acting so i feel he would be apt to take on these two not just one because of his strength he will take on both that is lobha and madha uh, thank you brother arvind and a very loving sairam to all of you so in fact uh, that entire season was a duryodhana season <laughs> because after um, the drama which was krishna raibaram all of us were part of uh, swami would refer to duryodhana again and again um, during the chennai trip and the kodai trip as well and uh, in fact uh, just to share this thing swami usually in kodai trips you know he sends the students for a horse riding session 
and uh, Swami, before sending us for the horse riding session, he asked, who is the heaviest among you, right? So all of them were looking towards Swami. So Swami was a little puzzled. Why are they looking at me, <laughs> right? So actually it was not Swami because I was sitting right behind Swami. They were looking at me. Uh, so they said, Swami, Swami, him. <laughs> so somebody said, Swami, Duryodhana Swami. So Swami looked at me and said, Oh, Duryodhana, don't allow him to sit on the horse. If he sits on the horse, the four legs of the horse will go like this. <laughs> so, so don't allow him to sit. So yeah, Duryodhana was the very embodiment of, of Madha pride and also greed. And uh, I had to literally live the role to understand what it means and uh, it's very interesting uh, we may not even be conscious of our greed most of the time for example i love food it's very easy to tell right i love food so uh, the indian uh, potato curry is my all-time favorite you know the natural favorite how many of you are like that how many of you like uh, yeah big group right so what used to happen is every time uh, my mother would make crispy potato curry and serve it, especially because I stayed for more than a decade and a half in the hostel, right? Hostel gives good food, but then it's a different kind of a food from home food, right? So you go home and you want to gobble up everything that comes in that one month of holidays that you get. So my mother would get a bowl full of crispy potato curry and without a thought, I would just plunge and take the crispiest part first, right? All of us do that. We look for the crispiest part first. And I used to do that uh, quite a lot. It was not until Swami, in, again in this Chennai trip, when he told us one day, see, you boys, you don't like to eat with Swami. So we were all like, Swami, no Swami, we love to eat with you. You know, we were scared Swami will then tell, send off all these boys from here. I don't want to eat with them, right? So we said, no, Swami, we love to eat with you. It's an amazing opportunity for us. Swami said, no, no, you'll simply say like that, but you don't like to eat with Swami. Then the elders pitched in and they said, no, Swami, there is limitation of seating here. That's why among the 12 boys, five, six are here and six are eating downstairs. Then Swami said, hey, me came telidu, you don't know about our boys. Why? Because if they are not with Swami, no, they will eat how much ever they want. No limit to their eating. And they will keep chit-chatting, chit-chatting and eating, right? There's again no limit to their talking. So this limitlessness in eating and talking is very natural to youth and youngsters. So that's how they want to eat. They are not interested to eat with Swami. Swami's. Then he went on to say, when you eat with Swami, you eat only as much as you need. When you eat with Swami, you eat silently. But our boys don't like to do these two things. That's why they're away from Swami, Swami said like that. So that's when it, it clicked to me that uh, am I unconscious of my greed? Uh, in the sense, am I uh, overdoing stuff in an unlimited way without being Do I want to be with Swami or do I want the potato careers? <laughs> you know, that's the choice that presented itself to me. I said, well, if you choose Swami, he will also arrange the potato curry. It can't, it can't happen the other way around. So what I started doing after that very consciously is, whether it's cheese, three triple cheese pizza or whether it's the potato curry, the best, you know when pizza is, pizza is served in front of you, again you would go for the slice that has the maximum cheese, right? Uh, so, so the hand would go there, never the loud. Uh, don't judge yourself, allow it to happen. Pick the crispiest parts, pick the 
cheese, the maximum cheese pizza, nevertheless. But what I would do is serve it on the plate next to me. Who were sitting next to me? I would serve it to them because this is the best part of the meal, right? Yeah, in this case, maybe Arvind. Uh, so that way, I started experiencing a joy of giving in a very unique way. It was not really giving. Anyway, we would share it. But somewhere, the joy of giving replaced, like ma'am said, we should replace it with some good habits. It replaced the sense of greed. It, it gave me much more joy. And more importantly, I started remembering Swami every time I did that way. When Swami said, when you do this, when you take only what you need, uh, then you are with Swami, right? That's a beautiful mantra that Swami gave to control uh, this lobha or greed. And uh, once in our uh, hostel, when Swami had made a visit and Bhagwan was giving a divine discourse, Swami said, all these six vices, they call it vices, but they are actually like waves, you know. They don't stay with you all the time. I'm sure that's your experience, whether it's anger, jealousy, whatever it may be. It is not all the time with you. It comes as a wave and it goes off. Swami said the technique is very simple. When the wave comes and goes, you simply stand. Don't do anything. Don't ride the wave. Moment you ride the wave, what, it happens, what happens is it carries you and throws you back. So you would have made so much progress in life. And moment you ride the wave of anger or greed or jealousy or whatever, the wave actually throws you back. Then again you have to walk forward, right? Instead, hold your ground. I know in breach, what happens if you keep holding your ground? Slowly the soil or the sand itself forms the foundation. It holds your legs, you know. It clutches your feet on its own. You, you go deeper and deeper into the soil and you're stable. And the waves come and go and you start enjoying the waves instead of being affected by them, right? So Swami said, hold the ground. Don't, you know, get carried away. Uh, so the other aspect, uh, very quickly to mention, is madha or pride, you know. Uh, so a quick story is, you know this, I'm sure most of you have read, I'm sure you have read it in uh, Arvind's stories as well, the arm wrestling story of Swami, where, you know, there was this guy who was a bodybuilder and all that, and Swami was giving tips on how to build your body and exercise and how you should have good diet and all that. And this guy was thinking, Swami is so frail, why is he talking about <laughs> all these things? And Swami challenges him for an arm wrestling and you know what happened, right? So he couldn't budge Swami's hand by an inch. And then that guy simply said, oh Swami, this, you're God, so that's why it's like this. And Swami said, no, no, I have not used my divine powers here. It's simply because from top to toe, I am purity. I am purity incarnate, right? Because I am pure all the time, that is why I am so strong. See, even God is so humble. Uh, he didn't, uh, you know, exhibit his divine powers. He's showing how humanly when you practice purity, it is possible for you also to live without pride, but actually exhibit the teachings of the Lord as your strength. Swami's teachings of unity, purity and divinity become your strength, not the fact that you are strong. There are eight kinds of such pride, you know, pride of youth, pride of having a strong body, a beautiful body, pride of being born in a good uh, environment, pride of having intellectual knowledge, spiritual wisdom, so on and so forth. There are so many types of pride that come to us. But if we are able to recognize they are all Swami's presence in us, His gift to us. In fact, uh, how many of you follow cricket? Quickly, raise your hands. Great. So you must know Clive Lloyd, right? So Clive Lloyd was an amazing West Indian cricketer who uh, mentioned in one of his talks uh, in the context of the SAI organization, he said, 
talent is a gift of God. You know what Swami said? Swami said, no, talent is God. So that talent that comes to you is not a source of pride. It is God's presence in you. It's God's energy in you. So start viewing it like that and use that energy of God, the presence of God in you to do good to other people, to bring happiness and smiles on others' faces. Thank you, Brother Giridhar. Two important points. One, to overcome greed. It is better to see that joy in others. I am telling it with brief personal experience. You will also surely experience it. When you love something and you feel it will give you so much joy, just try to selflessly give it to somebody else. I bet it will bring tears in your eyes. Tears of joy. That is unbelievable. It is so addictive that you will feel like going for that joy. So that is a beautiful way to overcome greed by giving the same joy that you are wishing for yourself to somebody else. And for pride, as he said, just keep remembering that it is God who is doing everything. It is, I mean Swami would say, God knows everything yet he acts like he knows nothing. But man knows nothing yet he acts like he knows everything. From that, we move on to the next one which is very, very difficult, attachment. How do you overcome attachment? Moha, attachment, we get attached to everything, you know. When people say I'm attached, you know, I suffer from attachment because possibly attachment to my friends. For me, it was attachment to my t-shirts. I have 20 year old t-shirts, I can't just let go of it. So attachment is a very, very strong thing and attachment to anything is bad. Swami would say that attachment to wrong things is possibly like an iron chain, but attachment to good things is like a gold chain. It might be gold, but it is still a chain. It will still tie you up. So how do, to dilate more on this, I would like to invite Dr. Uh, Lata Shri, ma'am. Moha, attachment. Long ago, when I was serving as a spiritual coordinator in our uh, Sai Samiti, um, I thought that two of the office bearers were running the Samiti like their private enterprise. At least I thought, I'm not sure, this was my perception. And whatever point I would put forth in our office bearers meeting, say I would make some agenda for a study circle or a sadhana camp, everything would be shot down immediately and nothing would be considered and whatever they wanted they would do. And I used to be so upset about this fact and I used to ask myself, here we are in this spiritual organization to forego our differences and work unitedly and after all our goal is the same to please Swami and why is this uh, happening and this was uh, something which haunted me for a long time and on a certain day I was so disturbed that I went to bed with a very heavy heart and uh, Swami came in my dream and uh, Swami very compassionately um, said to me whatever they do it is their problem and why you are getting upset about it let them do whatever they want to do but you do your duty and keep quiet and then Swami asked is it your organization and then Swami went on to say you leave your attachment to it and the message was very hard and it was very clear to me and here I am in the organization and I am assigned the duty of a spiritual coordinator and I have got carried away by the means itself and I have lost sight of the goal. 
that is i am working for swami and i should be doing everything as an offering to swami and i am getting upset because of my attachment to the means the role i am temporarily playing the costume that i am wearing in this cosmic drama and that is what is causing attachment in me to get attached to the role so that we lose sight of the goal itself and this solved my dilemma and this is how i was able to let go of my, of my attachment and i got uh, and i learned the greatest lesson of my life whatever role that is assigned to me i will do it sincerely to the best of my ability and i will place it at the lotus feet of the master i will do it as an offering to him naivedyam to him and forget about it and whatever outcome that comes i will take it as his prasadam i will not be attached to the outcome of the efforts that i have put in actually a true karma yogi is one who gets happiness from the action itself and doesn't wait for the fruit of the action to bring him happiness and that is when you get attached when you get attached to the fruit of the action you get attached to everything that comes your way and this is how i learned to tackle this problem saira beautiful you know that that solution is so wonderful just imagine you are acting a role in the movie and you have been told to act as a villain usually in the hostel when there is a gautam buddha drama everybody wants to be angulimala because that is where you can show your acting skills buddha you just stand like this and walk right i mean there's nothing to so everybody wants to be angulimala isn't it very funny there you want to be angulimala come on it's just acting i am just playing the role i am not angulimala but i love to act that role when we act in a drama or a movie we are always aware that i am not the villain i am not the hero I mean somebody comes and tell wow you are the king <laughs> i am not king i am working for my salary in this movie correct we tell in the movie please don't leave me without you life is meaningless and then the scene is over and she goes her way i go my way what happened hey that is just in the movie but in life we forget it that is what madam was pointing out to we get attached because we think that we are the role that is why i feel that oh i am dead i lost this person i lost that to separate ourselves from our role to realize that we are children of the divine playing our role is a wonderful tonic for attachment i'm sure madam can speak a whole hour on that but we are giving brief medicine pills and then we move on to the worst disease that swami would say which is matsarya or jealousy a jealousy which comes like why is it that that person is getting why am i not getting it i deserve this i deserve this i deserve this but i am not getting it gangar shastri sir how do we overcome this sir <laughs> why am i not getting what i want this is this is my right om shri sai ram <clears throat> as mentioned by arvind swami on several occasions spoke about jealousy and he described it as a disease from which everyone in the modern world is suffering and also he said it is worse than cancer maybe cancer has got cure but your jealousy doesn't have any cure at all first of all it is very common that when you look at others even when you are interacting with your friend you know if you think he is more intelligent than you you are jealous of him your brother is getting better marks than you you are jealous of him your parents praise him you develop ill feeling yeah just no madam said ill feelings ill feelings somebody is richer than you 
you have some kind of an ugly feeling in your mind all these things go on happening in the world because of only one thing which is called as illusion because you are measuring everything in the material terms that's what we do always uh, you look out all the time 24 hours you keep looking outside only but you have to look within one day swami was talking to us some teachers and he said suppose you have a multi billionaire and a sanyasi standing in front of you anil ambani is standing and a sanyasi a sadhu is standing when you do namaskar you touch the feet of somebody whom do you choose you touch the feet of a sanyasi definitely not anil ambani's feet why do you do that he is a sanyasi he renounced everything then what is the speciality about him a sanyasi is one who gave up everything and he has got no desires at all and swami knew that we cannot give up our desires so he said ceiling on desires at least have some ceiling on desires so that you don't become jealous and swami was always saying one wonderful point it's an excellent point which swami made to all of us when he said you think for yourself for a minute before thinking of somebody else why do you think of somebody else he is having that he is having this and all that you yourself are really blessed by god with so many things that you need to express gratitude every second to god you have wealth you have a house you have parents you have education you have sufficient knowledge wisdom everything you have but the idea is as it is said you look outside and feel jealous that you don't have something without being contented with what you have so the first thing you have to think right thinking is very very necessary i tell you if you want to shine in life you have to control your thinking first of all all the problems begin with your thinking in the modern times we think of all bad things only we never think of good things to give you one example i teach political science one day i was teaching when there was no buildings at all here ishwarama high school was our college in the beginning in 79 swami walked into my classroom i was shocked when i saw swami coming into my classroom she stood near the door and i said swami please come and take your seat because i was not familiar with him in those days i didn't know who was swami he said you do your job let me listen to your lecture you continue he said i was talking to the boys on rights and duties it's a very important concept in political science and in civics swami heard my lecture for about 5 minutes and he waved his hand and said just just a minute stop he said and then swami himself came out and said don't give importance to rights give more importance to duties i tell you i was amazed i was shocked i tell you in the modern times we always say i want rights 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 did you ever think that it is more important for you to focus on your duties no we will not our thinking is completely lopsided whatever we want we want because of our self interest there is great joy in giving bhagwan baba many times declared this hand of mine it knows only how to give it doesn't know how to take he said 
do we ever question ourselves whether we are prepared to give anything to anybody are we ready to give by giving you sanctify your life by taking actually you destroy your life by taking you are probably creating debt for yourself by giving you are creating a credit for yourself in future life because you don't know what all you did in your previous births today you are enjoying everything swami goes to the extent of saying you are very fortunate that you have all the limbs intact you have your eyes you have your ears you have your tongue you have your hands legs everything in condition look outside go to the world there are millions and millions of people who are dumb who cannot speak who are deaf who are blind millions of people who are lame who don't have hands how fortunate you are did you express your gratitude to bhagwan for all these things any time then you will be able to conquer jealousy you consider yourself how fortunate you are i'm so fortunate express gratitude to swami swami once told us in telugu i'll tell you what he said it is more appropriate idi kavali adi kavali ededo kavali inka kavalani eppudu edustu untavu nenu kavalani eppudaina edichava swami said swami said you cry all the time saying that i want that i want this give me this give me that give me that so many things you go on saying standing in front of god you want millions of things did you ever cry for me did you ever cry for swami swami i want you did you say no eldrucker you must be familiar with him a very great person we were having satsangs in my year 1979 and 80 when i came here in one satsang he asked us a question i was 25 years or so at that time when swami materializes a ring what would you say he asked do you want that ring he said and everybody in this satsang said hey i will grab it immediately i want one more ring in fact and uh, eldrucker said i won't take the ring he said how come sir when swami metras ring how come you don't want the ring he said i prefer to go for the hand than for the ring that materialized it he said <laughs> will you go for it will you go for his hand will you carry bhagwan baba in your hearts everywhere wherever you go swami in the presence of abdul kalam who visited the president of india who came here once he was standing near the interview room door and swami was to take him for interview inside there were a lot of things happened there there was a good conversation between the president of india and swami swami was about to offer him a chair and president said no swami i don't sit on a chair in your presence said no 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 you are the president of india swami still i am insignificant human being i am just insignificant human being in your massive creation and swami out of respect for him he said hey boy go and get a chair the boy ran to get a chair even before that president dragged down himself onto the ground and he just sat there second thing that happened was swami said if i materialize vibhuti for you will you take it i think probably kalam sahib was a muslim probably that was his intention i was sitting there i was listening to the conversation and kalam sahib said mahaprasadam swami please kindly give me so he materialized vibhuti gave him he put it in the mouth he smeared on his and swami said come inside i will take you for an interview immediately his adc came and told swami swami you cannot take him inside said why said swami as a protocol we need to check your interview room then only you can take him inside 
and swami immediately said please please do that go there check my room ante room everything please come out and please do that whenever i watching all these things and bhagwan baba himself declared to the world that bangaru i present myself as your servant he said all your jealousy is destroyed one shot consider yourselves as the servants of somebody in the world don't think you are masters we are masters of nobody in the world ramakrishna paramahamsa considered himself as a servant vivekananda ramana maharshi satya sai baba shirdi sai baba tyagaraja think of all the great souls we will never be remembered in this world i am very sure why should the world remember us what is our contribution to the world zero you exist as termites exist in the world that's all termites also exist for some time and just vanish we also exist and vanish if you want to be remembered it's a very big challenge i tell you you have to come over this dirty disease called jealousy you will be remembered by all your family members all your friends all your teacher the whole society will remember you with no jealousy in your mind sir one sir one sir bhagwan baba declared i have come here to serve lord krishna carried the chapels of draupadi and he said i am your servant pandavas shri ramachandra prabhu said i am the servant of all these devotees of mine bhagwan baba was very clear about all these things jealousy you will conquer only when you ask yourself one question why should i do this why should i do this why should keep on asking why 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 not you ask yourself why not i do this why not i clean plates why not i arrange the chapels of the devotees who come here why not i serve in the canteen why let me not let me serve the devotees of bhagwan baba come down serve serve and serve why by serving you sanctify your life by getting served you destroy your life very simple jealousy if you want to conquer have this idea in your mind why not why not i do this why not i do this let me do everything in this world don't say why should i do this you are a professor swami asked us to serve in the canteen we were serving food to our students during examination time he said they are having exams it is time they have to prepare very seriously so all you teachers go every morning breakfast lunch dinner serve clean their plates and put them on shelves believe me or not from 81 onwards for many years teachers were given the responsibility to go and serve the plates of our students our own students plates we were cleaning he he taught us so many things i am reminded of one incident let me take one minute rajendra prasad wanted to participate in the freedom struggle the first president of this country and was a member of the constituent assembly and he went to sabarmati ashram and he wanted mahatma gandhi to allow him to join congress party and participate and mahatma gandhi said oh you are interested in serving yes come after 15 days he said so after 15 days rajendra prasad went at a particular time given by gandhi gandhi was doing some work and he said oh you are here yes uh, i am very busy now come after 20 days he said again after 20 days he went third time he went he said again uh, now i am very busy come after another 15 days so he made him round go round the ashram after all that finally when rajendra prasad landed he said i now understand your seriousness in serving i was testing you whether you are serious or not about serving i am happy now you know service what is given in sabarmati ashram there was a park in which lepers lived and mahatma gandhi told him go and clean the toilets of the lepers for 6 months to come and see me after that every day go there clean the toilets 
bring sand, sieve sand from the Sabarmati riverbed, bring it and spread it in the toilets. And he went on and on and on doing it six months. President of India. There were so many freedom fighters who were so simple. Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, all of them. They are remembered for their service. They were never jealous of anything. They considered human birth as an opportunity to be sanctified by serving. So your ego is shattered completely. Bhagavan Baba loves you if your ego is shattered. And when your ego is shattered, jealousy disappears. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, sir. The important point of serving and that service comes in us <clears throat> when we have gratitude. And sir beautifully said we should have the right thinking and we should not think about rights. That is what he said. We move, I just want to add one more point, you know, which is very, very helpful. This was discussed. It just didn't arise today. The importance of maunam, keeping silence. Swami, sir mentioned it about not talking too much, but Swami would always encourage keeping silence. And silence is not just of the tongue, but also of the mind. But Swami would say that it begins with silence of the tongue. Every day practice silence for some time. And Swami gave a reason also. To one of our brothers from Hyderabad, Swami said, among your five sense organs, you know, which are the five? Eyes, ears, nose, tongue and skin. Only two of them have the ability to shut up. Which are the two? Eyes and mouth. Yes, only eyes and mouth. Swami said, you know why? Because these two are capable of maximum damage. What, when you see wrong things, when you see dirty things, when you see sensual things, the damage that causes is maximum and with your mouth you can cause maximum damage. Therefore, God has given these two senses the ability to shut. And Swami said, among these two also, the tongue has got dual role. Taste and speaking, both. Input, output, both it does. The tongue. That's why tongue is very, very important, Swami said. And Swami, you know what he said? Swami said, Maya. Maya dances on the tongue. Why? Because Swami said the tongue has the capacity to portray truth as untruth and untruth as truth. That is why Maya dances on the tongue. And you know, a dancer in Sanskrit and Telugu, many South Indian languages, a dancer is called Nartaki. Swami said, Maya the Nartaki is on the tongue. And how do you control her? Swami said, with the reverse. Reverse of Nartaki is Kirtana. Swami said, do Kirtana and tame this dancer called Maya. So use the tongue. As much as possible, practice silence. And when you use the tongue also, use it for Kirtana. Otherwise, what happens is if we allow these six vices to come even once in a while, they will start solidifying and start becoming habits. And Swami said, habits decide our character and character decides our destiny. Once it becomes habit, it's difficult. You know, we should try to pluck them out at the initial stages itself. Because again, Swami would play on that word habit. Swami would say, you try to give up H, a bit remains. You give up A, bit remains. You give up B, it still remains. And Swami would tell you, give up I, tea still remains. You know, still tea I will drink little. I can't live without tea. So Swami would say, habit is such a difficult thing to give up because if you start giving up little by little also, it still remains and again grows back. And that is why it is important that all the tips that have been given, we should try to imbibe it and ensure that none of these six become into a habit. 
but now i feel what if it has already become a habit <laughs> what if i am already what if it's what if i already have this bad habit of anger or greed or lust or whatever i'm helpless i can't do anything what do you say brother girdar i can't do anything now what do i do so um, instead of saying something shall we do something <laughs> why not why not great so uh, let's all do an exercise a simple exercise great so for this exercise the first thing that you have to do is sit straight right okay so swami used to come often for darshan and speak to boys and then tell this to us see at this age if you sit like this with your back this is the back of course if you sit like this when you grow old it will become like this right what is this a question mark so you will wonder at the end of your life what did i do with my life instead if you learn to sit straight whenever you sit wherever you sit in a comfortable posture but with your back straight then your life will become an exclamation mark wow what an amazing life i had right so there are so many secrets in the spine so swami would always say that you know i have made it like this i have given you the gift of this spine so keep it straight now coming to the exercise all of you please take your right hand and place it either on the chair or on your thighs whatever is comfortable to you okay so we'll be doing three exercises and you will have to come back to me with your analysis of the exercise very quickly right now all of you think only think lift my right hand and observe is it moving you can reply is it moving no okay so think more strongly now lift my right hand and observe is it moving no right this is experiment 1 experiment 2 when i say 3 2 1 1 as soon as you hear one just lift your right hand right 3 2 1 fantastic this is experiment 2 now we'll come to experiment 3 your hands back where they were when you hear one it's not necessary for you to lift your right hand right if you want you lift if you don't want don't lift right 3 2 1 okay so whoever has lifted keep it like that just look around all of you look around see each other so you see very clearly some of you have lifted and some of you have not right so experiment 1 2 and 3 what are your inferences anybody from the audience anybody from the audience just raise your hand and you can experiment 1 2 and 3 what are your inferences no inference they're choosing not to give any <laughs> yes please uh, the actions are more important than the thoughts uh, the because, actions uh, because okay. just thinking didn't raise my hand but when i actually exactly. raised my hand it happened that my action actually showed the wonderful wonderful so what she's saying is 
Thank you so much. What, what she's saying is, when she thought it didn't happen, true for all of you? You thought, lift my right hand. Did it lift? No. In the second instance, you lifted the right hand, but really there were no thoughts about it at that time, right? In the third instance, which is more important, some of you lifted and some of you didn't. Why? The instruction was same, right? Why? Yeah, loudly, whoever is saying that? There was an option. So you made a choice. What you have to, you know, realize here in this debrief is, the body cannot move an inch without your choice. You want to see it again? Quickly experiment one. Again put your hand down, but this time think, lift my entire body from the chair. Just think very strongly. Only think, you have not decided, right? If you decided, you will walk out. Think very strongly now. Lift my entire body and observe what your body is doing now. Is it moving? All of you loudly? No. no. See? So a habit is something you don't develop from your birth, right? At some point of time in your life, you have given a standing instruction to your body and mind saying, when it comes to this, just do this. Like in bank you have electricity bill payment, your house rent payment or whatever, so on and so forth. You just sign the order or, or today it's online and you just punch in your code and say, every month this payment needs to be done systematically on the fifth of the month, say, for example. So what happens, the bank will every month on the 5th go on paying those bills that you want to pay because it's a standing instruction. So that is like a habit. Now we complain to the bank and say, oh bank, why are you doing this payment on and on? It's a habit that I don't want. The bank says, boss, you are the one who signed on it and said do this, right? So you sign again and say, I don't want to do this. That's when it will stop, right? You have to punch in your code and say, bank, I don't want this to happen again. So stop. In the same way, it is your will that creates a habit. The body cannot even move without your choice and without your will. I'm very sorry you attended this session. Now you know it's all on you, right? <laughs> so you can change anything that you want. You have the power to change. And your will, Swami says, is a spark of His will. So that is the kind of power that you have with you. What we have just seen is a wonderful demonstration how our Ichha Shakti, willpower can be used by us to overcome any habit. And in fact, how is this habit formed at all? In Swami's quote, so a thought reap an action, so an action reap a habit, so a habit reap a character, so a character reap a destiny as Brother Arvind just mentioned. Just go back, habit comes from repeated actions. And where do these actions spring from? From thoughts that we entertain. And our mind is, after all, the bundle of thoughts. And someone even calculated there are 16,000 thoughts in one human mind in 24 hours. So what a chaos it is inside the mind. And what does Swami say about the nature of the mind? Bhagwan says, the mind is like a mad monkey. A mad monkey which is drunk and which is even bitten by scorpion. So how restless our mind can be we can all imagine. Just as a monkey jumps from branch to branch and tree to tree and covers the entire forest within no time, our mind also keeps on jumping from thought to thought and we have no control over it. And how do we control it? We have 
a very simple sadhana for this, which is the repetition of the name of the Lord. When we incessantly chant one name of the Lord, then what happens when we are focused in this sadhana, chanting of this one name, we are shifting from many thoughts in the mind to one particular thought which we want to entertain. It is like training the monkey to climb the same tree up, down, up, down, instead of letting it run amok. And this Namasmarana is a very powerful sadhana. It not only gives us the focus of the mind, single-pointed focus of the mind that we want to focus on, the name of the Lord itself, or in meditation, the form of the Lord, but it also purifies our mind. So it does dual function. Chitta Shuddhi, purity of the mind. Chitta Ekagrata, concentration of the mind. See, when there was division of property between Nara and Narayana. Narayana is God and Nara is man. And the God says to man, O Nara, I will hide the form. I will keep the form with me and I will give you only my name. I will empower you with my name. So the name is as powerful as the form of the Lord himself. There is no difference between the name and the form. This is called Nama Nami Abheda. There is no difference between the name of the Lord and the bearer of this name who is the Lord himself. And Bhagwan gives a very interesting tip to do this Namasmarana. See, those days in 60s and 70s, there was no television, there was no internet. All that was there as a medium of entertainment was radio. And Swami said, in a radio program, when a song is being played, as soon as this song stops, before the next song is played, what happens? In that momentary interval, the advertisement automatically comes on air. And likewise, Swami said, when you are engrossed in some work that you are doing, say your job, your profession, your hobby, whatever, you cannot think of the name of the Lord or you can't be doing Namasmarana, obviously. But the moment that work gets over and you move on to the next uh, work, in that brief interval of time, our minds start playing tricks on us. And how do you tackle this? And Swami said, in this brief period, as soon as you complete a work and move on to next work, your mind should automatically go to the Namasmarana mode and you should, it should ch start chanting the name of the Lord. And this is how we control our thoughts and have experience in this. See, once I read uh, this in a book about what Swami has told about Namasmarana, I took it as a very serious uh, sadhana. And I wanted to greet every patient that comes to me with uh, Sai Ram because that is the name that is dear to me and I want to do Namasmarana with. But I was working in Sultanate of Oman where 90% of the patients are local Omanis and I cannot loudly greet them with Sai Ram. So I would mentally greet them and unfailingly on every prescription I would scribble Om Shri Sai Ram which nobody can see. And once, as a passing thought, I just uh, mentioned to Swami, Swami, when will I be able to uh, address my patients, greet my patient with a loud Sairam Swami? And within two, 
just a couple of years of uh, this, uh, a pausing thought, a prayer probably to Bhagwan. I was in Prashantinilayam, serving in Bhagwan's institution, where I can loudly call out to everyone, Sairam, any number of times I want. And here, in fact, I urge every patient to be thankful to Swami, to pray to Swami, and also chant the name of uh, Swami, and also do Likhita Nama Japa. And uh, Namasmarana, as Swami himself has told, it is the means to liberation in Kali Yuga. And the power of this should not be underestimated because it is a simple sadhana which anybody can do, everybody can do, and wherever we are, we can do it. Saira. You know, we have just a few minutes, so possibly all three of us will give our conclusions, and I will start with mine. Uh, what Madam has said is the crux of the whole thing. It's about loving God and crying for Swami. You know, when I, when I heard ma'am speaking, it was so inspiring because I often think that if I consider Swami to be the most valuable in my life, do I cry for him daily? How many things I cry for? There's just one incident because this I feel is the crux of everything. Love for God will bring in everything else. When ma'am was saying about when you're engrossed in an activity, you can't think of Swami, no problem. When you get free time, think of Swami. There are two important points to note there. One is when you're engrossed in an activity, which means we need to be engrossed in our work. It's not like I'm sitting distracted. If I'm sitting distracted as well, I can do Namasmarana. So when I'm, I have to be engrossed in my work and then in the free time, think of Swami. There was a student, you know, he was, uh, he's a tabla player and he wanted to go close to Swami physically sit close to Swami in Trai Brindavan during a Trai session and because of the lines, you know, his luck was not good. He never got the front seat. So one day he hid somewhere and tried to scam and go front and he succeeded till half the way. The physical training teacher caught him and threw him right back to the end <laughs> and said, go back, you're trying to come in the front. And he was disappointed and again inside the Trai Brindavan for Trai session, he was seated right at the back. But that day, Swami comes, stands, just looks straight at him and tells, boy, come here. Come and sit here in the front. He's bold. He's in tears. He's in tears already. He comes and sits in the front and Swami says, you were crying for me, no? I know. And then, you know, Swami made a most important revelation. Swami said, when I go for darshan, everybody is crying. But I look at those who are crying for me. When I go for darshan, everybody is crying. But I look at only those who are crying for me. He didn't mean it physically. It shows the way we have to get God into our life. We have to cry for God. We cry every day for so many things. Honestly, I feel that even if one day passes without me crying for God, that day is a waste. Because if I believe God is number one, how can I not cry for Him? The crux of all this fighting till the end comes in having love for God because believe me brothers and sisters what we think is impossible you know somebody might be thinking here that hey, all this is fine but but you know I suffer from this and I just can't give it up it's very impossible even that will be made possible in a most unimaginable manner and that is why I would like to conclude my remarks by saying 
love for God is the most important. And I would like to request Gangadhar Shastri sir that, sir, please in your concluding remarks, narrate your life experience, sir, what happened because I feel it's the most apt here. Om Sri Sai Ram. <clears throat> I came to Prashantanilayam without knowing Bhagavan in the year 1979. He started his degree college and a junior college. I never came to Prashantanilayam. I never saw Swami in my life before. I just went to attend an interview at Bangalore. I got selected as a lecturer in political science. I came to join here. Uh, if I show you a picture of uh, mine of those days, you will be shocked. Uh, with big hair, with big mush, color pant, color shirt, and then uh, a gold flake king-size cigarette packet consists of 20 cigarettes, one matchbox, everything in my pocket all the time. I used to walk into the veranda with all those things. I didn't know anything about Bhagavan, much less about Swami organization or Swami's college or anything. The first shock came to me when I saw all the students dressed in white, going and sitting in the veranda, maintaining absolute silence. That silence is something which I hated in those days. How can you keep silent like that? You must be always talking some nonsense to somebody else all the time. Uh, do you think it's easy to keep silent? It's impossible. You will be talking definitely. Not only that, I understand when you want to go for lunch, you know, you, you cook somebody. Are you coming for lunch? Let us go together so that you can chat. You want to go for tea? Are you coming for tea? Come on, let's go together so that we can uh, destroy each other's time. So what we, 24 hours charting, charting, charting goes on. Uh, pardon me, it's not to hurt anybody, but this is where we live. Bhagavan Baba always maintained that silence is the best source of listening to the voice of God. Absolute silence. And by silence, I don't mean external silence. There are two kinds of silence, external and internal. Silencing your mind. You have to do it. It is very tough. No doubt about it. It takes time, but you can do it. Abhyasa vairagyena. Okay. Sarvam sadhyam. Everything is possible if you really practice over a period of time. Maintain silence. And you tell yourself, I'm not going in the company of anybody to take lunch. I'll go. I'll take my lunch. Get back to room. I, do, I mind my job. You can do it. You don't need anybody's company, actually. I don't know why we bother about uh, the company of so many people around us. It's a very bad thing to go in the company of so many people because you are wasting your time, wasting their time, things like that. So I was going to Varanda with all these things because of my company. I started smoking, I think, when I was 17 years because of the dirty company in which I was there in the school. It went on and on. I, I got so badly addicted to smoking that without a fag, I can't do. So what I do is, uh, after darshan, immediately I used to rush outside by a fag then uh, smoke and then go back and sit in the veranda. But from the very minute I saw Swami, something happened to me. I can't stay without seeing him. I have to see him, at least from a distance. So I rush to the veranda, I sit there. And I don't know what was my previous Janmas karmas. Swami would talk to me every day. Every day he would come and talk to me, morning 10 minutes, evening 10, for six, seven years. So he comes to me, stands in front of me, then he says, get up. So I, I get up and I talk to him. And he does like this, <laughs> indicating that I know you smoked. It went on for some time. One fine morning, I was in the college. I used to bring smoke on the road, drop the fag there near the gate, crush it, go to the class, give lectures, and go back. Again, take a fag. One fine morning when I was in the class, 
Karunyananda Swami came. I think you all know who was Karunyananda Swami. He was with Swami, living with Swami inside for a very long time. So he came and a message was sent to my classroom. Sir, somebody came and he wants to see you. He is waiting in the staff room. So I came down from the sea floor, down to the staff room. I saw Karunyananda Swami sitting there and I asked, uh, Sir, uh, are you here to see me? And he said, yes, yes. Are you so-and-so? Yes, sir. And then I came to know that uh, you smoke uh, chottalu, bidilu, cigarettelu and all that. Uh, cigars, bidis, cigarettes, everything you smoke. And you are working in Swami's college. Don't you have sense? You should not smoke like this and misbehave. Uh, I was in 79, this happened. So I was a little gonda type fellow. <laughs> so I looked at Karunyananda Swami and said, may I know who you are? He said, you don't know me? I said, why should I know you? Why? And he said, uh, you don't know me? Yeah, okay. I'm not interested in knowing also, I said. I'm not interested in knowing you. First of all, what bothers you if I smoke, I asked. No, no, you are Swami's uh, uh, teacher in Swami's college. So what, I said. So what? Is there any rule that I should not smoke? And am I asking you money for money to buy cigarettes? I spend my money. I buy cigarettes. I smoke. And I don't smoke in the campus. I don't smoke uh, in uh, Prashantanalayam, I smoke outside, what is your problem? And then I told him, see, I don't want to talk to you first of all, okay? I don't, please don't waste my time. You dragged me out of my class, I'm going back to my class. I went away. I believe he went and complained to Bhagavan, Swami, this fellow looks to be totally a different kind of guy. And Swami, I don't know what, he looked at Karnan Swami and said, no, 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 I, you should also know what kind of people live in this world. <laughs> so it went on for the whole year. In the month of March that year, Swami walked all the way to the veranda edge where I was sitting. He said, get up. I got up. And he whispered into my ears. So I know you smoke and you cannot stop smoking. You are trying your best to stop. But it's not good. Not because that you are an individual. You smoke only outside. You don't smoke inside the campus. No, 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 not that. Let me tell you one thing, anybody in your family who gets addicted to smoking would certainly die. And it doesn't suit you. And it is not good especially because you are a teacher, you are teaching the students. How can you in the class ask your students not to smoke when you are yourself a smoker? What moral authority you have? How can you ask your students not to drink when you are a drunkard? When you have bad habits, you don't have a moral right to tell somebody not to do. And Swami said, many parents do this now. Many parents at home, they drink, they smoke, they do all sorts of things, but they want their children to be Puritans. How is that possible? He's watching you every day. He'll say that I'm doing this. So Swami told me and said, you may not be aware, your father used to smoke when he was young and he was about to die. At that point of time, I saved him. I have never seen my father smoking, actually, I, once I was born. After my birth, I have never seen my father. And when Swami said, what is he talking? I never saw my father smoking. Is it true? I thought. And then he told me, Bangaru, it is not good for your health. You will die. Anybody who is going to smoke in your family is sure to die of smoking. That will cause tremendous damage to you. In fact, my second brother, one of the top ten mathematicians in the world, Professor R. Sitaram Chandar Rao from Andhra University. Because of smoking, he developed cancer, brain cancer, and he died. The whole world wept. 
and swami what swami said swami sent me swami said your brother is going to die because of smoking because of cancer go there and serve him in hyderabad in the nizam institute medical center swami sent me with prasadam but he died and then uh, he told me you stop it's going to kill you and there is a long way you have to serve me don't do this i said i am trying my best swami i am trying my best because i was the only fellow smoking in the entire college it was so dirty feeling in my uh, there's a guilt consciousness eating me up from within i'm trying my best swami i was whispering to him he was whispering to me i said you will stop it don't worry he walked a few steps forward i don't know what he thought he came back and then he patted me on my back like this and he said you will stop you will stop stop it's gone he said and went away believe me or not after that pat on my back i never touched a cigarette in my life and to clarify immediately i rushed onto the road there were no telephones in those days in mandir i went out i made a call to my father in my village and i said did you ever smoke and my father said yes i was and i was afflicted with the tb tuberculosis i was about to die i was in hospital for more than a year and by the divine grace i came back to life so when you are not able to <laughs> get rid of something however much you try there is only one source lotus feet you have to hang on to that he can do anything for you you have to have that faith and he will do it sairam yes so final concluding thoughts of brother sai giridhar to wrap up this entire discussion we have just completed our scheduled time but what sai giridhar has got to say is amazing so please hold on i mean postpone the lunch by 10 minutes because giridhar will share his concluding thoughts i think the best way to summarize this uh, whole thing is by a simple analogy with swami taught us through a very beautiful piece of gift that he had given uh, so every kodaikanal trip comes with its uh, watch right so there is a very special watch uh, that is unique to that year's kodai trip in fact if you see a sai student wearing a particular watch uh, you kind of know which year they went to kodai with swami you can say oh this is 2003 so you must have gone 2003 like that right so one day uh, this is 2007 and when swami came to see all of us uh, he was marketing the kodai watch you know so he kind of opened it and he displayed it to all uh, like that and he said see what a beautiful golden watch it is and you know what inside the watch there is a dial and in that swami's photo is there see swami kuda unnar lopala he said right and then he said who wants this watch so all of us raise our hands and swami went about giving it to everybody when he came to me he skipped me you know swami is a master in that he can just look through you he skipped me completely i went ahead poor fellows there were some two three guys around me and behind me they also didn't get the watch two days three days went by but i was very stoic i said swami like uh, you know one of the incidents was related uh, by sir he said al rakar said i won't take the ring i will take the hand so i was maintaining that attitude i said swami i have come for you your hand not the watch uh, so two three days swami was testing like that Uh, after uh, the third day i had a padaseva opportunity so when you do when you massage swami's feet you don't look up right you look at his feet and you are massaging 
because he's speaking to everybody else around and suddenly you hear this reverberating magnetic bass voice hey <laughs> so then you look up and then swami is asking watch ochinda did you get watch from me i said swami in my 11th grade you had given me a watch ikkada unda do you have a watch here that i have given you i said no swami ayyo papam he said so sad for you then he summoned and uh, this box was brought amongst few more you know the poor fellows who were around me and uh, then suddenly swami showed this box and said see what a strong and beautiful box this is right very well made uh, case for the watch inside uh, there is a transparent clean cover uh, which is there and inside the transparent cover is a golden watch and inside the golden watch is swami right so then swami said if i am to give you this gift are you interested in the box are you interested in the transparent cover or would you be interested in watch what would you be interested in watch right very obviously in the same way bhagwan said i have given all of you a strong and beautiful body which is like this outer case i have given you a pure and clean mind which is like this transparent cover at least it was that way when i gave it to you right so but inside that is a golden heart which is your hridaya your heart filled with love and compassion and inside that heart i reside swami said so he said keep your body and mind strong and clean pure and clean but don't give too much attention to it give all your attention to your heart in which i reside i am the indweller of your heart and he didn't stop there he went on to say just like all of you the watch also has a name and he read out the name embossed here and he said hmt human mind time and the master stroke was after that he slid it into the white case it was and said just like all of you even the watch wears a white dress <laughs> right <laughs> so just a summary of this is two points one is we have to keep our body and mind clean why because this body is a temple of god swami is the indweller so keep it clean keep it pure keep it joyous keep it happy because swami once said i am bliss itself so unless you are happy i can't be with you it's as simple as that right so keep it pure keep it clean keep it happy and i am always there with you as the indweller concluding remarks see when we have eaten a very tasty sweet gulab jamun even if like you know somebody offers us a cup of very hot coffee piping hot tempting coffee then even if they have put five spoons of sugar in it that cup of coffee tastes bitter and love for god is like this once we have once we have tasted daiva preeti everything else becomes secondary in our life and the world takes a back seat so what is it to love bhagwan as swami himself said to love bhagwan is to follow bhagwan to follow bhagwan is to practice his teachings yes it is very important to value the master but it is far more important we must realize is to master his values only then 
our life becomes his message. I pray to Bhagwan to bless us all to practice his teachings in the right spirit so that we become worthy of his love and grace and we are able to fight these inner enemies till the end by his grace without giving up. Thank you very much. Jai Sairam.